0: back, it's time for Customers Who Click. This week's guest is Kalsman the co-founder of Mason, a content automation platform for e-commerce brands. We had a really fascinating chat about how you can use automation to create highly converting customer experiences, either by providing a dynamic personalized experience on the website or using automation linked to stock levels to update your shipping feeds and alert customers that you actually expect to run out of stock soon. Possibility is endless, but with this power comes great responsibility. And as with all things marketing, it's important to take an ethical approach to things. I see too many brands kind of fudge the numbers a bit to drive fear of missing out, uh, but it's a really dangerous route to take. Anyway, let's get course on here now to talk us through how all this works. Hi, course. thanks for joining me. Would you mind just introducing yourself a bit? Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, um, your background and how you've got to where you are today.
1: Thank you for having me here. And it's super good to see you and talk to you about all the stuff that we both enjoy, specifically e-commerce and conversion. So here we are. And um, I'm Cos Kos Manjita. I'm the founder and CEO of Mason. At Mason, we are obsessed about helping brands grow. Both me and my co-founder and a bunch of our founding team, we are ex-e-commerce tech folks. We've been in e-commerce tech in some way or the other. You know, we've built like the supply chain side of stuff. We've done personalization engine search and, uh, you know, we realized at some point in time in 2019 that we want to like kind of condense all that expertise and everybody is you know coming online it's becoming so much easier to kind of set up your store but competitions like shooting off the roof and uh, we felt there is a gap in how teams are able to grow and with better data better playbooks better systems we want to help our mission is to help the next 1 billion uh, merchants brands, store owners really become super successful so that's 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 a little bit about me and uh, on a personal levels I still am an e-commerce nerd. I love shopping. At one point in time, I used to call myself a shopaholic. And then I think later realized that it's a lot about that excitement about why do people buy what they buy? And that still excites me today. And um, and I'm aunt to uh, twins who love painting, singing, and playing a lot of video games.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, (laughs) I enjoy the video games as well myself. So, (laughs) excellent. Cool. So, Getting getting straight into it then, for brands who are, I suppose, reasonably well established, right? So they've got you know putting a bit of spend behind behind their growth, you know, decent amount of traffic, decent amount of sales per month. What do you think is the the kind of biggest opportunity, out, maybe outside of an acquisition channel uh, for, for growth at the moment?
1: Yeah, you're you're literally like speaking the words that we are obsessed about it, Mason, and specifically me. I'm like, you know, acquisition channel aside, there is a lot of opportunity in your store, right? So just to step back, I think, you know, expanding on, the whole e commerce is getting crazy, uh, thing, right? Of course, during the pandemic, you saw a lot of we, we globally we saw tons of teams actually coming online, setting up their stores. Of course, like platforms like Shopify, Woo, Magento, all of that's making it super easy, uh, and even your social channels. Now, you can literally dream of anything that you think. You love and people like you would love and you can be an online brand, right? But honestly speaking, uh, one interesting number that uh, came to me last year, I was speaking to some folks who are entrenched in the Shopify ecosystem, about 25,000 odd fashion stores were setting up their online brands, online stores on Shopify every month. And that number was very, very interesting for me because it just shows the crazy amount of choice we have as consumers, right? And and on the other hand, tons of teams are coming online. But on the other hand, even Amazon, all of these big marketplaces, they have... Kind of spoiled us as consumers. Again, we expect that efficient, you know, real-time experiences. We're just used to like a lightning sale or a flash sale, and you know, great bundles that you know, great recommendations. We just we just spoiled by that amazing shopping experience, right? And the third interesting thing is that on 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 the when you look at amazing brands like your Warby or Allbirds and. There's this amazing, sheer storytelling and epic calling, kind of like coming on to us, right? And uh, so, even in terms of you know how you represent yourself as a brand, it really has to strike a chord with your consumers, right? So these three interesting trends, you know, have to come together. You need to have bring the emotional art of like amazing storytelling, bring it into a high converting. Shopping funnel, like it's like an art meets science sort of a thing, right? And in this in this whole equation, customer lifetime values are wholly great right you've got to get not just customers to click but also to come back and click again and, and buy again right and in store customer experience is kind of like pretty much the final battleground like after you fix all your you find your product market fit you fix your you know different acquisition funnels this in store customer experience how you get new people to buy and People who have already bought from you to actually remember you and come back and buy again—that that customer experience, shopping experience in your store—I think that's the challenge and that's the exciting, you know, frontier for larger teams, more successful teams, or, or teams who have already set up like the hygienes.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, you said what was it twenty five? Said twenty five thousand per month in new Shopify stores, just in fashion
1: just in fashion in the US that's the number
0: i heard I and mean, I mean, even if you, it's even if it's you insane scale it down, so it's insane it's insane if 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 even 10% of those have the budget to just put a bit of spend out there then that's that's pushing everyone's costs of acquisition up you know it's it's creating a much busier marketplace you've got to be able to stand out and it's interesting i was, I was having a chat with someone just earlier and he said you know they were they were just not not struggling a bit growth was there it was it was it was good, but it was you know not converting quite as well as they'd like. media's not performing quite as well as they like they you know they're still growing, but how do they take that next step up? and we just got on talking about CIO and stuff because obviously that's what I do. I was talking about review mining and 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 how how to differentiate the products and I said, you know I, I kind of picked out a couple of things. And I said, well, obviously, I imagine every product in the in this category could claim the same thing, but the question is, are they right? So this product was a chair, a a baby chair, and they'd mentioned that it has scuff-free kind of uh, feet for it, right? So if it moves around on your floors, it's not going to it's not going to mark them, Mm. right? But how you know? So the question is, how many other brands in that space are talking about that feature? They Mm. might all have it but there's quite a high chance that a lot of those brands just assume people expect that. And so don't talk about it or yeah. don't even think it's actually something that's special. So that's, you know, you don't have to differentiate on something that is completely unique. You just have to make the customer think that you're the one who has that unique aspect. Yeah. I think
1: that's a great example. And also across categories, right? Well, like as, as, consumers how we think of buying and why we buy across categories also differ uh, when we're looking at, at toys and baby care right like it's mostly new parents and they they need recommendations they need to kind of buy bundles right they want to know what goes with that with the, if I buy a diaper do I need a rash cream I mean let me know that I do right yeah so there's this whole like But if you're looking at, let's say, party wear as a category, like there you're more thinking like a complete look, you know, how do I really, it's not just about the dress, but like what jacket goes with it, the earrings and shoes. And so it's more like a complete, the look sort of, you know, buying behavior, right? So it's one is how do you pull out, and and I love what you said, which is that what is unique about you. And sometimes we think it has to be like completely, uh, you know, left field, but it doesn't. It's just what what customers want from you.
0: So what what tends to happen, I think, is brands focus on what is a unique feature that we have mm-hmm. that no one else has. And so even when going into the market, brands will be looking at what's what's in the what's the competition out there, what's in the market already. How do we make something that's got an additional feature, something mm. that's one thing better, but it doesn't actually have to be. You've just got to do a better job of selling it. And then you can even not only will you you you'll convert better, you can put your put your price up. Yeah. You know, if, if people are seeing this value from your product that they're not seeing on other products, then you've made your product more valuable.
1: So so true. And and also the I think I another thing that I would love to add there is the whole operational stress of running your online store, right? Like it's a 24-7 world online. You have literally people coming in from multiple channels. I'm sure by the time you have set up your different channels as we were talking about it. And uh, and you have people coming in 24-7, 365 days a year. The amount of data that you have, right? Like how do you really understand what to do for whom? Right. So experimentation, can you really do it as a brand? Like, like how fast can you do it? How fast can you go live with it? How quickly can you get data and uh, performance at your fingertips and then put that back directly into your next iteration of experiments? Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, even in in the CRO world, you know, when you're running an A B test, you've still got to consider different audiences. Right. So, you know, if you run a, a kind of a blanket, a B test on a product page, you've got to be aware that it's not going to convert for everyone. Right. Yeah. So you might, you might see, you know, I, I've run tests where we've seen an overall performance increase of maybe three or 4%, which is, which is fine. It's good. But then when you break it down by channel, you find that actually, you know, maybe something like PPC dropped 10% mm. and some other channel like email has bumped up. Yeah. And then you've got to ask yourself, well, actually, how much is that impacted by the test and how much was that impacted by maybe some better a better email campaign that went out yeah there's just there's a lot of variables that go into it a lot of data to take into account yep and yeah being able to automate that would be would be fantastic
1: that's actually uh, very interesting you you bring that out one thing that we've noticed is that like of course there is a bunch that you do in your store every single day there's of course like your Design optimization and how uh, you communicate to your different segments, right? That kind of your your positioning and your communication optimization. What kind of, as you said, information do you really pull out and showcase in front of your customer, like your product listing optimization, right? But there is also this. Everyday operations, like as a as a store, it's 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 a replacement of a brick and mortar store in the end. It's not just a website, right? So you're running your flash sales, you're bundling your different products, right? You're um, you know seeing how I have leftover inventory, I need to like clear my stock, right? Inventory liquidation is a big problem for a brand, right? Or for any any retailer. Well,
0: actually. I'm I'm in a networking group, and someone email, someone messaged today saying, uh, "Does anyone want some free coffee pods?" because they've they've just got an excess and i'm I'm guessing it's going to go out of date or something i I don't know how long these last yeah so yeah that was just this is it's free just if you if you guys want them and i I imagine that's that could be a fair bit of cost to them but it's at, at least they're at least they're getting rid of them to to people not to into the bins
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, imagine your COGS. right? Like you're you're you literally bought those products and now you you have to you're unable to recover it because you probably did not have access to doing it on time, right? So when you when you say of automation. For me, these are some of the gaps that you see in your day to day operations of your store, right? Like a simple retail business, your brick and mortar store transported to the online world is still a store. It's not just a website. So there's a lot of your retail specific, you know, decisions and strategies and playbooks that you run, right? And uh, without having access to actually deployed at the, at at the right time for the right segment for the right set of products you tend to lose out quite a lot, not just in conversions, but also in your, literally in in your cost of business. And and for me, automation, and I think a lot of what we do at Mason is also how do we not just think about automation in terms of, hey, did we send out an email on time, but also in terms of automation for your business, right? Like all these strategies in your e-commerce store that you run, can we help you make that way simpler to operate?
0: Yeah. So I suppose things like, I guess automating what that automation should be saying, right? So the the marketing automation is saying if, if person does this or, you know, six days after they sign up, send this email, having some automation kind of in the background, which is then saying, you know, for example, this product's going to go out of, out of date, right? So we're not going to be able to sell it in seven days. So make sure this is the priority product to be displaying in our emails
1: yeah yeah that, that's a great one right another add-on to that is like in the specific in the example that you said it's perishables like the category is perishables right and it's not just coffee but it's like salads and leafy greens and whatever else that you can think of beer we actually had a team uh from peru yeah. who are selling beer and who were who were talking about this problem that i i have all these products i have an expiration date set on it and i need to run them into a collection which is called clearance every single day like i don't care i don't want to spend, like, I don't want to be spending time on going and checking it because it's a lot of work for me. I just want to be able to set an expiration date as a rule. And can we then automate the rest of the process? So it's not just a communication, definitely a communication. It's a super, super important part of it. But within your store, once you send out the communication, you're your customers land in your store, then can they see those right products under clearance at 20% discount like you planned for it, right? So yeah. we we have playbooks. Uh, I think automation is also means that can you get access to things like that in which you are operating not and automating not just your communication, but tied back to how when customers come back to your store, can they also get the right experience? So it's also experience automation in a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I suppose that maybe has the potential to cause issues like we've been seeing with well, hopefully not anymore, but like, like we used to see with abandoned carts in the past. right? People get used to the fact that they could add something to cart, go, go to checkout, put their email address in, and then abandon it, and 30 minutes later they'd get a discount code. right? Hopefully, majority of brands are moving away from that now. But mm-hmm. with your clearance example, right is there the risk that customers start to become aware that you almost start to work out what, how that business works right you you start to understand that that company probably orders in new stock every 30 days or prepares a new batch of of beer and so 25 days after that it's probably a little bit longer isn't it but 25 mm-hmm. days after that you're going to get that clearance email which says we've not been able to sell so actually yeah. could this generate bad behaviors by by customers who realize that these clearance emails come out and you get a 20 yeah. percent discount so why not wait for the clearance email
1: super good question i love that you asked that right I
0: suppose, when it, so just, just one yeah, thing to add sure. to that I, I guess in a sense it's the same as running a sale on your website mm. every every month right yeah. as soon as people start to expect that you you generate that discount behavior and i know we're, Ab- we're talking about one example specifically
1: absolutely absolutely right but in the case of clearance and just step back. In the perishables industry, that's a reality. So if you go into any food and grocery business side store, whatever, they have to put some of the stuff on sale every single day. For example, there was this salad company that we were working with, and they just look at the freshly made salad in the beginning of the day, and by two p.m., if it's not selling out, they have to put it on sale. Otherwise, it all goes directly into dump. Into the dump yard, right? Uh, so this is like in this category, clearance is an example, right? That that's like they have to do it. That's literally yeah. how how that in, how that specific domain operates. But another kind of, for example, automation for this day to day operations could be, for example, bestsellers, right? For your new customers, you definitely want to make sure that it's a great you know non-intrusive way of showing social proof without like literally saying that 50 people just bought this product it's like so yeah. eh, you've seen those pop-ups it gets a little annoying it's almost like you're going into a store you're browsing like t-shirts and the sales guy comes and you know taps on your shoulder and saying hey 50, 50 guys just bought that t-shirt i'll be like freaky yeah. right <laughs> but but yeah, there's, can... there's
0: there's got to be a better way to do that
1: absolutely um, absolutely there I, should I might have to have be a, think a about
0: this af- afterwards but yeah. Also, I think maybe this is I guess like insider knowledge but mm. so many websites fake that anyway.
1: Absolutely. Um, put they a don't... random
0: counter on there.
1: Um so many
0: apps are built to do that as well yep. just yep. um put a random counter because most of them can't see a stock level. Right. Sorry, not stock level, can't see, you know, the purchases and things. So they can't right. actually say yeah. uh, how how many people have really bought this.
1: And that's not the reason why you buy right as a customer you want to of course know and, and, and as i said like a shopaholic talking right like if i get get to a great brand and i already found you found that brand i love what they're you know their story and i kind of align with it i land up in their store uh, it, it's i i find you exciting and so i'm here right i definitely want social proof to know that you're credible and then you know i'm i'm all good and other people around the world do buy from you but just because five people bought it in the last five minutes doesn't mean like I'm going to just run around and buy it, right? So so for example, in this case, like bestsellers, a few teams who have larger SKUs, they tend to love uh, showcasing bestsellers, right? And in, in case of like teams who are growing in their business, we have heard this headphones company actually tell us that, hey, like our SKUs run in and out, like colors, change, you know, this color is not available versus these other colors are available and stuff like that. And it's, it gets super hard for us to like keep track of what are the last, top five trending products, right? Mm-hmm. So is there an automation that we can set for it? So my bestseller is, is always fresh. And if a customer comes up, like, you know, still hasn't bought, but com- comes back the next time, they'll actually see a fresh bestseller sec- section and collection, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so t- it's
0: today's a... bestseller. Exactly. Sort of yeah.
1: Exactly. Right. And
0: so you... Otherwise, yeah, You if you see the same bestseller on that website every day, yeah. it's going to lose that impact, isn't it? Because... For sure. You're, you're just seeing the same product. And if you're not interested in that product, then you're not interested in the bestseller.
1: Absolutely. And, and brands also don't want to lie about it, right? So you want like systems which will keep looking at your data and keep refreshing it. Like this is today's bestseller.
0: I wonder if, sorry, I've just mm-hmm. kind of been brainstorming this in, in the background. <laughs> what if you did a message like on the lines of maybe today's bestseller Mm. um expected to sell out within six hours
1: i think that's a so very very yeah it's a broad message yeah not saying
0: that. 50 people have bought this today
1: exactly.
0: um just giving this this you know a bit of urgency this kind of countdown timer but in a bit of a i guess a softer way or maybe it's a harder hardware <laughs> this yeah like you know this this product might sell out today or or, or tomorrow, you know, you can set the rule up to be maybe within 24 hours. And then, yeah, you can,
1: you can, you can. And, and go the, <laughs> that
0: detail, actually, but. that's,
1: a, it's such a great idea. I'm actually like picking that up <laughs> and I'll I'll go back to my yeah. team and to my product team. and like, this is something that we can do very quickly, right?
0: I want I want to go test that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And also another interesting thing here is that Hey, like a lot of times it's about can you access that data? Like, you know, like it, it is yeah. it is difficult, right? For a, for an average team to like you don't you don't necessarily have you're not a Walmart or a Amazon, so you you don't necessarily have like tons of data scientists at your back and call, right? So ease of access to the data becomes very important. And so ability to automate also depends on can you quickly get data. To set rules to automate, right? Can you repackage that automation into? Can you repackage through automation experiences? So experience automation becomes important too. And the third thing over here is that is experience of automation is in a way like design and all that all that soft things. But can you can you automate at least parts of it, right? And then the third thing that comes is that once all of this is out there, can I constantly get? quick little data on orders and revenue, like metrics that matter to me. Don't show me impressions. Like what do I really do with it, right? But can I actually see attributions hard, but still can I see at least what's the impact on that part of the funnel because of mm-hmm. what I just did right now, right?
0: Yeah, so a lot of what I look at with CRO with it's so obviously the, the primary metrics we're always looking at tend to be conversion rate and average order value. But then in the background, we're also looking at returns, okay. right? If we... If we run a really good test and it improves conversion rates, might improve average order value, but then we see the return rate trouble, mm. that, you know, sometimes it becomes a business decision. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you say, well, we're, we're getting more returns than, than we can afford, right? You know, the, the cost of returns is outweighing the, the extra yeah. conversion rate. Sometimes you might be in a situation where you're still making more money and still mm. selling more products but you have still increased that cost of return quite a bit. And obviously yeah. all those customers, if they're returning products, depending on your category, they might not mm. come back. So then you might have to say, well, we don't want to do that because we would rather not have people returning, even if we're getting uh, more than enough customers to to cover that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah, you'd, you'd want internal automation around that. I guess e- even at a basic level, just some alerts saying you know your your return rate has spiked um,
1: yeah and, and you know, then we, what do you do about it right like is there something you can yeah. do about it I, th- I think automation sometimes and uh, that that has that was my pet peeve with how automation people look at automation is that earlier and i see th- this changing now but a lot of, in, in the earlier world i think maybe even 2 years back a lot of things were about notifications and information but it was not actionable Right. And I love that how, you know, with Zapier plays or, you know, whatever that you look out there, we are, we're thinking, I think, as an industry, a lot more actionability and that that's great because it's now, it's not just about getting the notification, but suggestions on what, what can I do when I have to yeah, get well, that notification. That's,
0: yeah. that's the important part, isn't it? You know, I, I've, I've always had the attitude of, I, I don't really care about reporting. Mm. You know, the re- reports are, it's not meaningless, of course, but, you know, you've got to give me some, something to do with that report. You know, right. when, I, when I used to work in-house as head of marketing, I didn't want to hear what our daily conversions were or the yeah. conversion rates or whatever, or the, or the amount of money that come in or the number of bookings or whatever. It was always, you know, give me that, but then tell me either why that's happened, what we should do next. You know obviously most of the time we're looking for spikes and things right big changes yeah. or maybe reporting on campaigning but it's always what is the next step where do we yeah. where do we go from here with this information yeah. because if you're just reporting then we're not we're not moving in a direction because of that report yeah
1: yeah yeah we took it very seriously like i think i kind of as i said had this pet peeve and and we work really hard to constantly look at what can people do once you have some of this information and so automation also tying into kind of like one click playbooks in a way <laughs> you know when this happens what can you do right and and sort of like bottling that at least the best practices there are many things you can do and you can evitest the hell out of a lot more great ideas like we just came up with a you just you i would say just came up with a super great idea not me and and so so ideas definitely are there but at least the starting point of what can I really do? And helping you know, brands, can we do that for a product too, is helping brands with you know, recommendations and best practices kind of like bottled into quick little playbooks that you can kind of like recipes that you can get started with, right? So I, I totally hear you and totally, totally with you on that.
0: So things, I'm, what I'm on, really on board with is, you know, if the platform can't help Right so mm. let's let's say this example of this product's going to sell out within 12 hours. Mm. Um, if it turns out that your platform whatever that might be isn't able to see the stock level mm. and those sales then instead of just again like reporting back no we can't do this you know it, can you offer a suggestion anyway. Right that's where that's where real value comes from service providers as well right people like us. It's yeah. it's it's you know if if someone asks me a question that's not really related to CRO or or what I do, I don't just say no, I can't help you with that. My response is always no, but I know someone who can help you, there. or or let me reach out to my network and see if I can see if I can get someone for you. Yeah. So that's that's what I think you know where this data and this and these these alerts and things are important. It's you know what can you do with this with this information. If there's nothing we can do, we can action right now. What are the next steps to either allow you to do something as a brand, or to allow us to then help you later? You know, so that might be we need a a deeper integration with Shopify, for example, to allow us to see that data. You know, those again, right? It's it's not just reporting. It's what are are the next steps we can take, and that's. Something I've been talking about a lot as well. Uh, so dead end experiences on on brands' websites. Yeah. Right. So you know, if you land on a product page and it's out of stock, right, the next step should be, do you want to hear about? You know, do you want us to notify you you when that product's in stock? If I say yes, take the email address. Then give me a next step. Don't just say, "Cool, we'll we'll alert you when it's back in stock." Give me a next step to take. And for some brands, that that next step could be, you know we don't have this model of what you're looking for, you know, this coffee machine or something, but we do have this one which does almost the same thing. Uh, Cost this, do you want to buy this instead? And that person might still choose choose to make a purchase, in which case you've got the purchase and you've got their email address anyway for for those product updates, uh, which might be something you need to deal with. But I suppose, again, if, if you can automate properly, you can deal with that. Yeah. So imagine most brands would say we've you know they're going to be siloed experiences right on in one silo you've got you signed up to be alerted when this product comes in stock and in the other silo you've got you purchased a different model right so for most brands the experience would be you go down that purchase route and post purchase experience with the one you bought but you also get that notification for one you didn't buy. You know, ideally, you'd want to be able to link that up somehow and say, "This person probably doesn't need this notification anymore."
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a. I mean, I I can't thank you enough for bringing out this example, and I'll add a third silo to that, right? And it's like, how did you, where did the customer come from in the first place, right? And that's another silo that happens today. I've been on Instagram. I'm literally on Instagram so much. And I keep browsing this different stuff. And I land upon this like, oh I love this t-shirt. It's like I'm a huge graphic tea fan. Uh, so I get targeted like tons of amazing brands who have amazing graphic tees. And and then it's and nine out of 10 times I literally will I land on something that is like super cool. I love that color. I think I'll look good in it. And I tap on it and up pops uh you know your your store. And the size is not there or that color is not there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, stock out is like the is the ultimate betrayal at that point in time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah but- when
0: you've been advertised the product. Exactly. You, in, in, even, I mean, a lot of the time you don't get sizes in advertisements, I don't think, but colors. right? So you advertise a specific color, yeah. you click through and then that color is yeah. not available.
1: Yeah. It's I'm just advertising heartbreaking. It yeah. And it's heartbreaking, right? Because I just like, I just lose interest in it immediately and I kind of drop off and there's just like my my like peaked interest of buying something is still there but I'm just done with you as a brand right I'm going like really satiated somewhere else and and so this third silo also can really be plugged into automation like you you need your ad refreshes to happen based on what's really there in your store not just like you know tantalized folks with you know, stuff that you planned out two months in advance and, and never updated, it, yeah. right? Right. So so adding on to what you said, yes, the third silo is how do you really, like, this happens a lot today, but all these different silos can really be tied together through automation.
0: Can you then feed in the whole, you know, this product's going to sell out in six hours?
1: Yeah. <laughs> feed that I mean, into the
0: advertisements as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. Holy grail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What about I suppose apart from the whole like reporting and not not really analyzing sort of aspect? What, what are the mistakes brands could make with 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 automation? we trying to automate things.
1: Not testing enough, right? And initially. I mean, just as a personal experience initially, when we launched our product, our app, to help automate a bunch of these like stuff like flash sales and clearance and this Instagram example, right? And uh, our bestsellers. And one of the things that we didn't have early on was like, yeah, you can see the impact, but like, what's the impact for you? Right? Because let's say I'm a, I'm a store who, you know, as I said, the way I buy as a customer really depends on the category, the channel that I landed from, like all that really matter, right? And uh, and so the tar- being able to target all these automations to the right segments, like again, making sure that the silos don't exist, right? That was one thing that I've noticed is that it's, it's difficult for folks, right? You're running multiple automations. You don't know how they're interacting with each other. You don't know which segment is reacting to it in what way. It, it's hard for you. And uh, uh, unless you have a solid pipeline that can give you that single visibility, I see folks like using seven apps for seven different automations, right? Like, mm-hmm. holy cow, that's like, you, you don't have the right data, right? You can't, you don't know what's impacting what right? Because again, these are all different silos. So people make that mistake of like kind of using, hey, back in stock, okay, I'll use this app to automate and something else I'll, I'll do for this automation. You you kind of have to, it's great that you do that, but you need to have this like single visibility and, and, then, and then you can really test out. Testing is so important, right? You can really test out and really see if there is You know, there are strategies that you can implement, which are very, very hyper segmented, or even segmented to just simple new returning, you know, uh, sort of users, right? So that that's another big thing. Yeah, I
0: I think that's an important point to make. Right, you don't have to go. You don't have to build this ridiculous, like super complicated set of automations, right? You just start start simple, test something out. If it works. You know, get it in place, move on to the next thing, bring pieces in one by one, right? So in in your example, let's say you've got 10 different apps doing one little automation each, instead of scrapping them all and try and build them all in, just, you know, bring one in, test it out, see, see if it creates the same experience or a better experience. You know, I know, in fact, a client I worked with did end up using two different apps for different upsell opportunities because they worked better like that. It actually, you know, even though I think one of the apps was that it could cover both and one of the apps couldn't, but the app that could cover both didn't do the job that the other app did as well. So, you know, they in this case, they were better off with those two different apps. But yeah, I, you know, ideally you want to be, you know, bringing them in. It's like if you were using, you know, I talk about SMS and email a lot, you know, you might as well have your s m s within Clavio as well now well now that they offer it you know mm-hmm. instead of having it elsewhere because then you're if you have it elsewhere you're managing two communication channels uh two two sets of campaigns and things that are, should be going to the same customers, but yeah. you've now got you know if you if you need to check in on performance and and you know how they all perform together you've got to be looking at two completely different dashboards
1: yeah yeah. And also the kind of data, uh, like different sort of teams focus on. I've seen certain teams like talk more about when they when they're looking at success met- metrics or performance success. Right, you're looking at like impressions or CTRs, but something else will give you like orders or revenue. And so you also don't have this singular, you know, data, like level of data. Right. So that also creates a lot of confusion. Right. And and as a as a I would say, as a really scaled out team, sometimes, of course, you stitch together uh, you know different products for things that work for you because your workflow is like super specific to you, right? And it totally makes sense. But if you are a fast growing team and you don't want to be you know slowed down by all these processes and workflows, then I, I usually think that it's better to do a more one-stack one, one stack solution, right? So that you can just, you can you can basically prioritize speed over anything else and nothing beats that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, uh, you know, just the problem with it is if, if you're a very small company and you've got loads of different things going on, when you start to scale and hire people, mm. you've now got to train someone to use 10 different apps versus the one.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, you know, maybe when you get to a much bigger scale, you yeah. can start breaking these things out again and make sure you have really super specialist apps and tools doing everything. But then you're probably also going to be able to bring in some solutions that help you tie in uh, the data as well. Absolutely. But we're talking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably talking people who can afford to spend hundreds of thousands. Exactly. Um, possibly even a month on yeah. these these enterprise-level solutions to, to help with all this. So smaller brands that can't do that. Yeah. And should know, um, for.
1: It's not just can't. I think even if you raise VC money, don't <laughs> like you're too you're too early on, you don't want to put up uh, you know scale systems that take you like three months or four months or tons of developers to even like morph or react. Like don't don't go don't go yeah. there. Use no code, use automation, use stuff like which are nimble and, and you can really grow fast.
0: Yeah, and I think don't be don't be afraid to scale up with platforms as well. Yeah. Like I know yeah. the yeah. com- conversation is yeah. moving off a little bit, but you know i've looked at crm platforms and marketing automation platforms that are mm. way too advanced for for certain businesses and then they're, they're still asking the question but you know we will need these features later mm. right but if you're if you're talking about features that you might need in 9 months mm. then just just wait for it you know you, you use a tool that that fits you now and then if you do get to the point where you're you're, you've outgrown it then then look at replatforming but you know I've, I've worked in uh, bigger businesses where the budget's mm. not been such an issue, yeah. and they have probably wasted uh, tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of pounds because they're paying for features that weren't in the roadmap for the project at at that point and so never got implemented yeah. and, and it was just a well we know we want to use this down the line, but that down the line had no fixed date for it.
1: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. When I was in Walmart labs, you know, a bunch of acquisitions uh, were happening in, you know, great D2C acquisitions and looking at it and you're like, my God, (laughs) you know, it's just, there's so much of things that, i think it's great selling on 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 the part of the teams who did who did manage that to get that in but it's 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 this fear of like we will need it at some point in time we don't really know you know when there are other solutions out there that could actually probably just are headless in nature anyways and could, you could plug and play this specific feature and solution at a later point anyways, right? So I think there's uh, my advice to teams who you know are afraid about the scalability is that, hey, look for solutions that are probably api backbone today, right? And then you can still continue to use it, but as long as they can integrate with whatever else that you need in the future, even if they don't build it, you're fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to add about uh, automation before we just finish up?
1: I think uh, my just I think final sort of a roundup on automation is that uh, in the end, to run like a successful business, you kind of need to bring like this data design development all of that together in some sense, right? And and you you said it really well when you said like. Things are running in silos and automation can really help you connect these silos together and make you think really end to end. And yeah, I think I just want to stop at that on, on this yeah. topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really good point to end on. Just silos are bad. <laughs> if you have to be siloed, find solutions that help you um, help you kind of un-silo, yeah. I suppose. Awesome. Just a couple of quick questions before we end. Is mm-hmm. there anyone in the D2C marketing space that you'd want to go for lunch with?
1: Oh, yes. I, I, I'm, I've I'm been following Julie Channing. She was the ex, you know, head of mark, global marketing at Allbirds. She was literally hired by the founding team and was with them for a while. And uh, the thing that caught my eye about her work, you know, as I started exploring this, you know, what is great because on one side, it's the marketers and uh, sorry, it's the product founders and and who build the product but it's also people who take the product to market like albert's for example she took it to market right and and the thing that excited me about her is that she she speaks a lot about how she worked hard to turn the science of sustainability into the art of marketing right and i think this whole like sort of like ties back into when we started our conversation, I was talking about how like Amazon has nailed the science and then D2C brands have nailed the art and science and art Eventually have to come together in your store; otherwise, your store just will not perform. Right? It's both, and and I, I'm really excited by the work that she's doing in that space. In fact, today she's she's not in Alberts anymore. She's teaching a course on growth marketing. I think at my NYU with Scott Galloway, no no less. Right. So yeah, a great lunch with her would be amazing.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. And just finally, are there a couple of marketing tools that you like to use every day?
1: It's um, probably not so, a
0: couple, given that we talked about, it, it's probably one, <laughs> isn't it?
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, anything in store marketing, like folks just like Mason, uh, remember us. But that aside, I don't, like, I do a lot of content and branding and marketing, like that's uh, and tied to product like that's my sweet spot like this product on one side and this branding again out and science kind of like coming together and and for me hence it's a it's a bunch about you know grammarly and I like I like the way you can create amazing videos so quickly with that I of course use a lot of MailChimp type forms for like great surveys and and then I like I like how it all ties together with like SEMrush or or a plain old GA or amplitude for, for data. That that would be my typical go-to stack, considering the most of the kind of work that I do.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, some good tools there. Well, brilliant. This has been this has been fantastic. If anyone wants to reach out and find out more from you, what's the best way of doing that?
1: Twitter is great at Manjita. And I also try to be as active on LinkedIn as I can. And Cosmanjita or Cosambi, you just, you know, hit me up. I'm right there. So Happy to chat.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a great, great conversation.
0: Bye. A lot of brands focus their automation efforts on driving traffic, right? Whether that's PPC, Facebook ads, email marketing, the vast majority of it's related to putting messages in front of people who are not on your website in the hope of driving them to your website. But as we heard today... There are some incredible opportunities out there to use automation to make your business more efficient. Yes, some of this is linked to ads such as updating your shopping feed if a product goes out of stock, but there are also some great on-site use cases to allow you to shift product. Of course, that's a great example in there for brands with perishable products, for example, who can automate uh, close to expiry products going into their clearance section every day. Without a doubt, this is going to have an impact on their bottom line as they're able to sell products that otherwise would have just been thrown away. If you'd like to hear more from course uh, about Mason and automation, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn or head over to getmason.io. Uh, any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to Will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got John McDonald with me, and we're going to be discussing some of the misconceptions around CRO. But until then, keep those customers clicking.